This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Tresca, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 197 with Brendan Watt. To skip this intro and go straight into my conversation, go to somewhere around the 6 minute and 45 second mark. Warning. Forewarn. Forewarning. Beware. Let's go with beware. Beware. On my end, my mic had a lot of booming to it. At least that's what I hear. So I wanted to give you apologies in advance. God, I'm just so much that person. And rather than just like letting it slide and letting you figure it out for yourself, I like to give the warning. So again... Even at 197 episodes, I have plenty to learn, and there's just, I guess, mistakes that can get made along the way. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I want to tell you a little bit about Brendan. He wrote a book with his now ex-partner, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? Obviously, that's a question, and that's really Brendan's way. He really believes that we should all live in the question more, in our own questions, and see what is true for us, that too often we turn to others. We go to seminars, workshops, we get a self-help book, we hire a coach, we write into an advice column like the one I used to have, and we're looking for someone else to tell us what to do. I see this even with my clients. It's just human behavior to want to be guided along. And I think a lot of the times we're avoiding what we know is like this ache within that tells us, oh, I really think it's this way, or I think, not even an explanation, I think I need to do this. So in order to drown out what we know we must do, we can turn to others and ask them to tell us what to do. And then we can go back into indecision and say, well, that's them. Maybe they don't understand it well enough. They don't have the history with a person like I do. Instead of just tapping into what our gut is telling us and trying that on and seeing if that brings us more relief, more lightness, more ease, or if it does the opposite. And then we have an answer there too. So just an encouragement to, as often as you can, to find a way to drown out or really pause the voices of others, and see that when you're turning to others for answers, for introspection, when that's like your jump reaction, your first reaction, let me go hear what everyone else has to say. Maybe it really is truly an indication, not of you being so clueless, but you being afraid of what you already know is the case. I know for myself that it really wasn't until I just accepted what I heard inside myself, telling me over and over and over again to do something to make something better until I listened to it, nothing changed. I really mean this, and this has happened in many different circumstances and over the years in my life. Everything from an eating disorder, stopping Adderall, getting out of a relationship, 
dropping out, actually, I'm just saying, dropping out of a doctorate program in order to pursue coaching, starting the podcast when I wasn't even ready. All of these things are so many examples I can go through. I always heard in my head. I mean, I'm still battling it today. I know there are things that I need to do next. And there are some areas that I'm not good at listening to that next thing. Usually it's the most pressing thing, the thing that I think will free me first. So for again, for a lot of those years, the Adderall addiction, I heard over and over what I needed to do in order to free myself. Like I thought it was giving me more productivity. I thought it was going to give me this higher level of excellence. I kept waiting for that. I felt that in the beginning, I was trying to get it again, but I knew deep down inside, I always heard the voice for eight years that the moment that I stopped, I would feel less shame and things would happen. That if I wanted to feel energized, if I wanted to feel alive, instead of using this drug that was now really going against me, it was doing the exact opposite of giving me a rush. It was really making me nod out to be perfectly frank. Until I stopped doing it, Well, one, just like the effect it was having on my body, but two, I would never be secure enough in the energy I was feeling after I took that pill because I always knew it was because of something else, something superficial or fake. And I also knew that because it was a pill, it wasn't going to last that long. And I felt this pressure that this thing was not permanent. It really wasn't me. And because it really wasn't me, I never did anything with it. I never felt alive. That shame made me feel more dead. So I mean it when I say I knew I had to do something. I knew what the first step would be. And until I listened, I never got what I was after. Thanks to finally listening to myself, I do feel alive. And so much of that aliveness stems from knowing that it's a part of me. It's a response to me. It's coming from me. It's natural to me. And therefore, it's really not going anywhere. It's mine. So thank you for being here. Please rate and review this podcast so it's pushed out further into the world. My desire in life is to help people at times of transitions, at pain points, and through my guest and our stories and our reflections, that they hear themselves in it or not even that they hear what someone else is saying and saying no that doesn't resonate with me and for the first time really hearing what is true for them and thanks to hearing something that i said maybe that they were like nah that's not it for me discovering what is actually true for them thanks for being here So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I'm terrible at introducing myself, but my name's Brendan and I don't know how I'd introduce myself. I'm a little different. I talk a little different. I do things a little different. I see things a little different. I see the world differently than most people. So that's pretty much where I come from. That's pretty much where I like to look at life from is from a different place. Speaking of difference, no one has ever introduced themselves that way. And that is what I've wanted. (laughs) I'm almost playing a trick on people. When I ask them to introduce themselves, it's like, I'm not going to tell them how. It's just what will they do. And they always start with their career. It's just the typical thing. No one approaches it as, this is how I am. One of the things that I found strange throughout life was, it's like people would say, who are you? And I'd go, what do you want me to say with that? How do you want me to approach that? Because for most of us, what we do is, it's like, I could ask anyone, who are you? And they would either 
not know what to say or they would have a real that they'd already created that they would speak from and go, well, I am Brendan and I speak to people across the world and I am a facilitator. And it's like, no, that's not who I am. That's what I do. But who I am and what I do are two different things. And it's such a gift to hear people go, oh, uh, I'm just me. I'm happy. I'm like, okay, good. You go with that. When you were growing up, do you think that there was more of an emphasis placed on who you were in the sense of what you were going to be doing or how you were going to be being in the world? For me growing up, it was like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, uh, I'm six. I have no idea. <laughs> and But people would be like, what are you going to do? Like, what kind of career are you going to want? And all of these things. And I was like, uh, I just want to be happy. And for most of us, it's like, I see that we just try and, well, for me, I'll talk from my point is that I just tried to fit in and went, okay, well, I need a job. I need a relationship. I need to do all that stuff. That's how I'm going to fit in. So when people would ask me, I'd start thinking, okay, so what do they want to hear? And then I would start speaking from the place of, okay, so if I tell them this, then they'll be happy with me. Mm. From what I've talked to with a lot of people, we do the same thing is we start crafting our lives based on what other people want us to be, not what we want to be. Mm. Yeah. And I can imagine that if you're in this place where you don't know everything that's happening in your life, you can come up with this answer that kind of prevents people from asking more questions. That's really the big part is asking more questions, like getting honest with yourself on what you want, what you want to be in the world, how you want to be. When you met your now, your partner, you're not married, are you? Uh -uh. And you took time off and weren't working. I read that part about how you would be drinking beer on the couch. Well, let me just interject one piece here. I'm not actually with that girl anymore. We wrote the relationship book together. And then as it was being released into the world, we separated. (laughs) That's how all the great ones happen. I know. We thought it was funny because we're still best of friends right now. But when we did it, our PR agent was like, who writes a relationship book and then splits up right when the book is being published? And we were like, uh, we do. We did it. So I think you guys were very candid, though, about that that was possible. You know, you say that in the beginning of the book, at least, that you don't make these promises to each other, that you don't know where you could be in 20 years, and that at any moment, something could change. Yeah. I guess the initial question was, though, whether you're with her or not, how did it feel to be in a place where you didn't know what you were doing with your life yet? And you knew that people could be asking or maybe even judging that your girlfriend was taking care of you or there is that part where you know you had your son that he was four years old and you're you know in your parents house and sharing a bedroom with him how did you handle that circumstance in your life well I didn't very well you know I didn't and it's like at that stage I didn't really like myself every morning when I woke up when I was depressed and unhappy I thought that I was depressed and unhappy that's when I found access consciousness and I started seeing that I was different. And like I said, when I was a kid, I was like, I'm really different, but I need to fit in. And when I started allowing myself to be that different, I started noticing that all of that stuff started going away. And I started getting to look at, okay, so what do I desire in life? And that's, that was when I started seeing that, oh, I actually might be a gift. Mm. You know, I actually might be something that I haven't acknowledged before. And when I started allowing myself to be that, was when the magic of my life started showing up. What was the first thing that came to you when you said, what do I actually desire? Well, the thing I've always known about myself is 
I just desire to be joyful. Mm-hmm. Like I know when I'm being me, there's nothing I can't create. But I know this with a lot of people is when they're willing to be them. Like, you know, when you have that sense of joy about yourself and you're just like, oh, I just, I'm just joyful. I feel like me. You know, nothing can stop you. Yeah. You know, you could break up a relationship. You could lose all your money. Anything could come at you and you just still have you. Mm-hmm. And it makes the world seem a lot less complicated when you just go, okay, well, I'm me and now what? Well, because you were depressed at times, though, did you ever feel like your joy was going to be temporary? Uh, I was depressed all the time. (laughs) But no, one of the first tools that I learned was who does this belong to? And we talk about it. It really is a tool that I use every day because what I know is a lot of the stuff that we pick up on isn't ours. We're just aware of it. So you could walk into a room and and you could be aware of the anger in the room or the sadness in the room, or you can be having a great day and all of a sudden you go, where did I go? You're aware of everything else that's going on around you. But one of the things is we haven't been acknowledged for that. So when I started going, okay, who does that belong to? And realized it wasn't mine, then it allowed me to have that sense of space again. So where was it belonging to a lot of the times? Like, did this go back to your family? It didn't matter where it came from. It just mattered that it wasn't mine. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and known that they were upset, even though they weren't saying it? Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So one of the things that we have is we have dynamic awareness, but nobody's ever told us that. So we go through life thinking, well, everything that comes at me is coming at me because it's mine, but it's not. We have awareness. And if we're willing to acknowledge it, then we can go, oh, okay, I'm aware of this, move on. For people who are listening, when anything shows up for you, ask, who's it belong to? If it lightens up at all, it's not yours. And then return it to sender and move on. What a lot of us do is we try and figure out, well, but where did it come from? How do I fix it? How do I deal with it? Which is what keeps us in our heads 99% of the time. We're going, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this? But it never changes it. Rather than, okay, who's it belong to? It's not mine. Cool, move on. Hmm. What do you think about reframing narratives? Someone doesn't call you back, for example, and it can make you feel a certain way. Do you go into the narrative about it? Do you reframe the narrative? Or do you realize that doesn't belong to me and you move on? Well, I don't do that because I realize that it's just, once again, you're putting yourself in a loop. You're just going, well, why didn't they call? What are they doing? And you put yourself in your head and nothing changes rather than, okay, Another tool is interesting point of view that I have the point of view that they should call me. We create these fixed points of view about things and then they create everything in our life. Our points of view create our reality. So we're going, well, they didn't call me because, Mm -hmm. okay, now I'm bad. Now I'm trying to figure out why rather than, okay, they didn't call me. Right, right, right. Yeah, you talk about this in the section like about sex. We go into our mind about the points that should happen afterwards. You say this point that like, why can't it just be enjoyable and that be it? Why is there always these things that should be happening afterwards? These expectations. Yeah. Recently in my life, I realized, and you guys talk a lot about choice, is that I have the choice to decide what something is for me. And I think that a lot of people get in these loops of waiting for that call or waiting for the reassurance or the validation, and they've lost their choice to decide to determine in advance what this is for them. Also, I've just been enjoying sex just for being sex and not needing to have a narrative around what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's what it should be. It should be for the fun of it. But a lot of us don't do it from that place. 
You know, we do it from the meaning, we do it from the love, we do it from what it should create in the future rather than, okay, so can we just have fun with it? What we should create in the future, why is that? Do you think that's a a very female thing or do men do that as well? Oh, men do it as well, but it's For different reasons or what? Well, they do it because they do it. But one of the things I do is I don't try and find the reason with choice. I just recognize that we all have it Mm -hmm. and- what we choose it for is a whole different reality. So it's like, I would choose this for what reason? And what most of us do is like, if you're looking for validation through something like sex, okay, so if I have sex with somebody, then they validate the things that I've already decided I'm not rather than, okay, so what am I that I'm not looking at? What can I acknowledge about me today that if I would acknowledge that, I would never have to look for anything outside of me to find that again. Yeah. And that's that place where it's like sex should be like playing frisbee. It should be like, hey, let's go and have fun. Let's do this and have fun. Not let's do this and then I own you for the rest of your life. You're like one of those guys on the dating apps that say just looking for fun. All about the fun. But see, that's where we go into it as well as we go, okay, so that makes you shallow. And see, once again, we go into judgment of it. But we'd go, okay, so where's your depth in that? Right. Well, the depth is in the joy. But if you have the joy, then there's no need to prove that you are something that you're not. You just know who you are. You know, just side note, I remember because I got on dating apps recently and there was the first oh, guy there are- <laughs> The first guy I met on this one app, his whole thing was about having fun. And I think that there was judgment in my mind about what does that mean, you know? And then when I met him, you know, I found out that his dad had died recently. And to me, he had such this childlike joy. And I realized it was such a gift in my mind when I watched him that he was able to tap into that, that he should be allowed to just prioritize fun. And he was fun. And it was it was interesting just how I came in with the judgment and then I saw how he kind of had it right. And he was offering me that fun. And now it was an invitation. Well said with the way that you went with that, because see, one of the things when somebody actually is honest with themselves and they go, okay, so I just want to have fun, but they don't do it from a careless point. They do it from, this is who I am. I want to have fun in that. When you come in contact with a person like that who is just willing to be them, it's really hard to hold on to judgment. Why do you think that is, though? Well, because in order for you to keep judging, you need some other judgment to bounce off. Hmm. You need to go, well, I'm judging you for this, so you should prove to me that my judgment is right. But he just went, I just want to have fun. I just want to be me and see if if we're willing to have that in life. It doesn't even have to be fun. It could be, I just want to be an asshole in this 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. But that's what's true for me. When you have that and it's like, you don't need to prove it. And other people can just go, oh, okay, you're choosing that. Now what else? Now what can I choose? We allow each other to be more of ourselves. Now that you're out of this relationship, does it feel mm-hmm. like mind that you're choosing something else like what is this next chapter what do you think that you might be looking to choose well i mean the world is very different right now with what's going on what do you mean no, i was kidding so it's like for me i look at okay so i'm always looking at what future would i like to create for me what i know is that every choice that we make creates our future i didn't realize this until 10 years ago when i came along to access consciousness and i thought you know, I'd had abuse in my life. I'd had all of these different things where 
I would have blamed my life not working on those things. I would have went, well, I'm this because. And when I realized, when I came along to this first class and I heard Gary Douglas, the facilitator, say, every way you are right now is based on every choice you've ever made. And I went, what? I've created my life based on my choices. And in that, my life changed because I realized, okay, so I can just make different choices and create a different life. And I've been doing that ever since. So for me, my next chapter always starts every moment because I go, I know that every choice I make is creating something in the future. Every one of them. A lot of people hear that and they're like, yeah, but, but I'm like, yeah, but, but I did all the buts. They never worked. The reality is if you look at and go, okay, so I could make a different choice today. If my life is not working today, what can I choose? There's your next chapter. It's just another choice. Mm. Do you think that in terms of relationship, like, is that a heartbreaking reality for someone? Because essentially what I've realized with breakups is that you're essentially saying that I am giving you permission and I'm giving myself permission to choose again. Right. That's where we look for the permission to choose rather than recognize that we just have it. Well, what could I choose today that would expand my reality right away? Mm. You know, because what a lot of us do too is we look for the comfortable choices. We look for, well, if I choose this, what's it going to look like? So we go into our head and try and figure out, well, if I choose this relationship, then I have to create it this way. Or if I choose to have this job, I have to create it this way. Rather than if I choose this, what will it create? Mm. And for me, what I, I love that. what I do is I talked about that sense of joy. So I have that energy of what it is to be me when I'm joyful. And if I go, okay, if I choose this, am I going to have more of me? And I get a sense that that joy is not there, then I know it's not going to work for me. Mm. And then I'll also ask, okay, if I choose this, what's my life going to be like in five years' time? Mm. And see, this is the thing with choice is, and I've asked thousands of people this, is have you ever gone home with somebody, you know, taken somebody home and, <laughs> and, and knew it was going to be terrible but did it anyway? Pretty much everybody goes, uh-huh. Well, that's where we actually know what our choices create. We have this knowing that if we're more willing to use that, then choosing what's going to create a better, a, what a greater future for you is a whole lot easier. Mm. What is access consciousness? Uh, it's this wild, wacky set of tools that it's designed to get people to see that they actually know. Like each of us is different. So what do you know about this? getting people to actually tap into their awareness and what they know about things. not mm. It's definitely not based on, okay, here's the answer, do this, based on questions to create more awareness for what's true for you in your life. But is it a seminar that people attend? Well, there's a lot of different topics. Like we pretty much cover everything. I facilitate classes around the world on choice, but also relationship and different things like that. But, I mean, we're in 176 countries now. We do a lot of online stuff at the moment because, you know, nobody can travel. So I went from traveling three and a half weeks out of the month to... Out of the month? Not, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is a question that comes up a lot in your talks that are focused on choice? Is there a reoccurring theme that people kind of are grappling with? I'd say one of the things that people do is they'll talk about how something happened to them. Okay, this is happening to me. And... One of the things that I've seen sets a lot of people free is when they realize that they're choosing it. Like if we all looked at our lives today from this place of, okay, here's where I am right now. What choices did I make to get here? And one of the things I learned 
years ago when facilitating these classes was I started looking at different things in my life and I went, okay, so what choice did I make that created that? And I started recognizing that there was choices I made that created everything in my life. When I realized that, I went, oh, I am actually the Lord of my universe. I do create everything in my world. So now what would I like to create? And I think that the question that I've seen that really stumps people a lot is if you were choosing what was true for you, what would you choose? And most people go, what? What's true for me? What does that even mean? Well, that's where we have to look from is what if it wasn't wrong to be different? What if you could have that sense of you and be that difference that you are in the world? Because right now the world, it needs it. It needs us to be different. When you've gone into relationships, have you looked for the differences or? I've just always known that I am different. (laughs) That you are different. Mm -hmm. But you guys talk about how some people look for points of connection, but you should look for points of creation. So the points of connection would be we're the same in this way. Yeah. And also what I see a lot of people do is create that connection with people based on the way that people need them. I realized this with myself over years and years of looking at it was I really liked fulfilling the needs of others. Mm-hmm. Then I knew that I was connected to them and I knew that I was desirable and I knew that I was needed. So I would go, okay, so you need this from me. Okay, let me give myself up so I can fulfill this need so that I make sure that we're connected. Totally. And But see, the, the other thing I realized with that recently was I went, because I have people in my life that don't need me at all, that don't need anything from me. They just care about me. And we all have that too. Like for a lot of us, we have at least one person in our life that actually just cares about us for us. And what I realized was I was manufacturing needs for them to have of me so that I could still keep that connection because that's how I connected. Yeah. And that's what we do with connection is we find something in order to keep us connected to it rather than just being with somebody and going, I just care about you. Be who you are. Be everything you are. What can I contribute to you being more today? Right. He talked to this client once and she said that she became this cook for her boyfriend because she felt like then she'd always be the one feeding him and he would need her. And he broke up with her and she realized that just because you become the thing for him doesn't mean he won't choose one day that he can go do that somewhere else. The other thing with it is every need is an invention. They're all just invented points of view. Like we don't actually need, we invent it. We go, oh, well, I need this. Do you actually need it? Or is that just a validation of what you've already decided that you lack? Mm -hmm. So for me, I know that if I go, I need, okay, I need means I lack. What am I lacking here? And what am I looking for somebody else to fulfill in my life that I can't fulfill? We talk about that in the book too with, it's like I did this from a young age, was looked at, looked at the things in my life that I lacked and then went, okay, I need a relationship to fill in all those things, which puts dynamic pressure on the relationship. Because if somebody can't fulfill those needs exactly the way that you've decided they should fulfill them, then once again, you go into judgment and you go into, well, but why aren't you fulfilling my need? I need you to need me. It never works. You bring up at some point, like to ask yourself what you're liking from the situation, what you're getting from it. What you love about it. What you Mm -hmm. love about it. That was great. So you're in that 10 year relationship that you couldn't get out of. What did you love about that 10 year relationship? Uh, I love the drama, the abuse, the keeping myself normal, 
I loved all of those things because I wasn't willing at that stage, I wasn't willing to be different. Mm. I also loved suffering, you know, but people would hear that and go, how could you love that? Well, I didn't realize at the time I loved it. Mm. I only realized it recently, but it's like one of the ways that I really saw how this worked was 10 years ago, I had no money at all, nothing. And I kept trying to create more money, but couldn't. One day I went, okay, so what do I love about not having money? And when I realized that my point of view was every time that money was talked about when I was a kid, people argued. Right, right. You know, so I went, well, why would I want money? Yeah. Why would I want anything to do with that? And when I realized that, I went, oh, that's not actually my point of view. I actually love money. I love having it. I love the way it feels. I love what I can create with it. Once I got over that point of view, my financial reality changed. But I had to get over that point of view. So what point of view do I have in place here that's sticking me? Right. And getting over that part so that you can actually start creating something different. Mm. Knowing that you were in this abusive relationship where you were suffering and yet you were tied to this person because you have a child together, how have you navigated that? Uh, well, I wasn't tied to her. I just kept choosing it. Well, you're tied to her because of the son though, right? Well, yeah, not really. See, that's another thing we do is we go, well, I'm tied to you now because of my kid. But what we do with that is we put massive burdens on our children rather than, okay, I'm choosing this. Now, what am I trying to create here? One of the things I talk about in that book is I realized that, see, when I grew up, my parents split up and I went, well, I'm never going to do that to my kid. So when he came along, I went with that promise in place, I went, well, I'm never going to do that. So I went, okay, so I'll just be miserable and unhappy, but I'll stay together with this woman so he knows that I'm keeping my promise. So one day I went, you know what, what am I teaching this kid? Yeah, totally. What am I showing him with this? And I went, you know what, this has to change. And now he has a lot more sense of him. He knows that he can choose anything in life and he doesn't have to do it for somebody else. How important are those conversations as a father to a son? Do you guys talk about it or is it just led by example? Uh, Both. I would say it's what I did my best to do with my son, who's now 15, is taught him that his choices create everything in his life. So I would ask him, okay, so if he would say, dad, this is showing up. Okay, what choice did you make that created that? He'd go, oh, well, I did this. Okay, cool. Is it working for you? No. Okay, is there another choice you could make? Yeah, I could choose this. Okay, so choose that and see what that creates. So he started doing that and realized that he was creating his life, even from a very young age. It's an incredible process to walk someone through. When you say it all, it just seems like this quick solution-based approach. Well, the biggest part of it is it takes allowance. Allowance to let people choose what they need to choose to get the awareness of what they'd like their life to be like. So what a lot of us do is we go, well, but no, you should choose this. And we do this dynamically in relationships. Don't choose that. I want you to choose this. But that's just creating control in the relationship rather than how do you see this working and what choices can we make? And then being an allowance of what somebody chooses. Mm-hmm. Honoring what their choice you're saying. Well, honoring that they have the capacity to choose their own life because it's their life. I imagine, you know, that not many people immediately default into this. Like this is something that's taught, right? You bring a totally different way of looking and approaching and again, allowance and relationship. And I think maybe sometimes freedom scares people. 
I would say it's more of an invitation mm -hmm. for people, like I said, to just be more like you, whatever that is. What I'd like to see more of in the world is where we get to have that, where it's you can have your shitty days. It's not about getting it right. It's not about your wrong. It's about, okay, here I am. And when I talk to people, I like to see who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, because I did it for years where I'd go, well, this is me based on who am I trying to prove myself to be and what image do I have in the world and how do I carry that image forward? And it's so much work to do it rather than just go, okay, I'm just me. What's right about me today that I'm not getting? What do you mean? What's right about me today that I'm not getting? What does that mean? Well, how much do most people spend their days in wrongness of themselves? What's wrong with me today? So you're constantly looking for what's wrong with you today, thinking that if you can solve the thing that's wrong with you, then you can finally get out of wrongness. But in that, what we do is we just find more wrongness. It's just more judgment, you know, and it never creates anything different. One of the jokes I tell in my classes with judgment, because I talk about judgment doesn't create anything. You could judge yourself constantly thinking that's the way to change. And most people think, well, if I just judge myself enough, <laughs> I will change. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and so I'd say, okay, so if you look in the mirror in the morning and you go, I have a fat ass, does your ass get any smaller? And people go, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. But no, I'm like, that's how we live our lives. We go, well, I have no money and I'm shitty with money and I hate finances and I'm judging myself constantly. Okay, is that changing anything? Right. No. Okay, so what's a different choice you could make? Mm -hmm. Oh, so if I didn't judge myself, I wonder what, if I could actually see what my body would like today or how I could make a different choice with finances. But getting out of that place of being wrong, what's right about me today that I'm not getting. Something I loved about you and the book was about how Simone, right? Yeah. She said that she was always going after men that judged her body like she did, right? Uh-huh. And you weren't that guy. That's how he, this, this guy introduced, they're like, oh, you should be with him. He, he wouldn't judge your body. And she uh -huh. said, you did it. Did that surprise you that men judged her like that? Judgment always surprised me. I never really got why people did it. But like I said, I was always different. But it's one of the things that we learn. You know, we learn to judge. We learn how to make things right and wrong. And I guess I just never really learned how to do it. But what we talk about in the book is this thing called winners, losers, and no counts. So the winner is someone that judges you dynamically and they're all about winning and they're all about judgment. And if you can get that person, you are a winner. You have overcome all of it to get that person. And then there are the losers where it's like, well, they judge themselves and they're just losers. Like, why would I want to be with somebody like that? Because they're not judging me. Why would I want to do that? But then there's the no count. The no counts are just like the, hi, how are you doing? You want to have fun? You want to do this? But they don't actually look from the place of judgment. What I've noticed with a lot of us is what we do is we try and figure out how we count in life based on how we judge. How do I judge this so that I can figure out how I count in this situation rather than, okay, I'm judging this for what reason? There's this guy that I was seeing early in quarantine, and I think I was so close to it in the beginning that I was judgmental. Mm -hmm. It was a reason why we had stopped seeing each other, but he circled back last weekend. And it was so amazing when he came over and he started showing me all these pictures of 
family home and photos of him growing up and what his parents had done on the walls, tracking him and his brother's growth and stuff. And I just heard all these other things about him. And it's like a month had gone by and I wasn't invested in, did this person make sense for me? And the judgment of what it would mean to me if I was with him. And he was just on my couch, circling back. And it's like, I was so much more receptive to actually listening to his life, realizing like, this is a special guy. Finally got out of that judgment zone. And yeah. to be someone for the big picture of who they are, it was, oh. Was it more receptive or did you start receiving more from him? I think it was both. I think that him circling back and me being receptive to him coming allowed him to sit down and for me to receive more. He gave more. I think that there was maybe a desire, he said, for him to show me that we have more in common than I realize. You know, people get more comfortable, so they reveal more it really made me check myself. And it showed me that early in relationships, when we kind of get a mesh or whatever, it's like trying to find the things that are wrong to push someone away. It was a wake up call to me that, you know, you could think you're so evolved, but why does this judgment come up? I think a lot of it is fear, you know? Well, see, one of the things that keeps us judging too is we look for the why. We go, well, why am I doing this? Why am I judging? Rather than recognize once again, I'm choosing it. I'm choosing to judge. To push someone away, I guess, right? You judge someone to eliminate them in a way. You judge them for whatever reason you judge them for, but it's not a why, it's just an is. Something we choose that you can go, okay, so I'm choosing this for what reason? What's it creating? What you just did there is like my wanting to know why is me like going back into my history and analyzing it, whereas you're just Mm -hmm. saying, just choose not to. Yeah. One of the ways that I live my life too is I don't like to do it based on the past. It's like I have screwed up more things in my life than most people have chosen. <laughs> you know, I, uh, it's not about I don't go, oh, I have choice right. I choose the right things. No, not at all. I just know that I choose. And I'm always willing to look at it and go, okay, I'm choosing this. What's it creating? But what a lot of us do is we look back to yesterday and go, okay, so how do I make up for all of that? Or how did that work yesterday? Rather than I'm me right now, what can I choose for the future? It allows you to move into, like you said before, with evolving, but from that place of you're constantly looking at how can I choose more rather than how do I look to the past to create my future? Mm. How do I just make choices to create that future based on who I am right now? Mm. Would you say that you're a nostalgic person at all? Uh, I'd say, you know, I'm a little nostalgic, a little romantic, a little crazy, but Just curious about if like, you know, your ability to kind of not look at the past, but to think of today. I always wonder if people like that are cut off from their past, like they're not nostalgic because I always draw on my past. Well, it's not about giving up your past. It's just about recognizing that your past isn't what creates your future. One of the things I do is I notice for myself when I define myself, when I go, this is who I am, then it doesn't allow me to see anything greater than that. I can only maintain my definitions of me. So I undefine myself as much as I can by going, okay, so who am I today? Mm-hmm. What choices do I have now that I haven't chosen before? I love that about definitions limit us. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's a crisis of confidence within men? I've been asking men, I'm like, do women compliment you? And they'll tell me no. And they say that they're guy friends for the most part. It's not like they give them feedback about themselves unless it's they're having a really deep conversation. And so they kind of float around this world actually with a lot of people thinking men just innately have confidence, but they don't feel like they're that confident. Well, 
confidence also comes with a projection to it. For a lot of people, they will project confidence. See, for me, I grew up, I had none mm-hmm. confidence. I was like, no, hide me from the world. I have no confidence. But for me now, people would say I'm an extremely confident person, but I don't even see it as that. I just see I'm willing to be me. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, I get it. I don't need to get you to like me. But it's like for men and women, it's like, would you need confidence if you're willing to just be you? And most people would go, what are you talking about? Of course I would need confidence. Well, do you? Mm -hmm. Or is that what most people project that you should have so that you're somehow seen as better or worse? Or For me, when I see somebody who's willing to just be them, I am drawn to them. Mm -hmm. I want to know all about them. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's the confidence. And that's the courage that it takes to be different. You're right. I think that confidence is usually something that we assign to others. They appear confident because they can just be themselves. But I don't know if I sit around and say, I have all the confidence in the world. I think that's more feedback. Someone tells me I'm confident. I don't know if I sit around and think about what will this confidence in my life give me? It depends what way you look at it. Like I would say, for me, when I take those big leaps, when I just go, I'm just going to choose this and I know that I can handle it. So I'm going to choose it. And I've done it like I went from not knowing how to ride a horse, yeah. a horse, and <laughs> but, but to just making choices to get on these horses. It was like, seriously, you can ride that thing? Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh, well, worst case is I'm going to die. Okay. So I get on this horse and I'd realized that I got more of me because I started getting that confidence in me to choose more. For a lot of us, when I ask people, if there's something that you're looking at choosing, but you haven't, Mm -hmm. everybody goes, oh yeah, totally. I mean, I remember years ago when I was at the slopes in Colorado and I was just sitting there one day and I heard that they have heliskiing and I went, oh, let's go heliskiing. And I'm terrified of heights. They take you 14,000 feet up in a helicopter and they land this thing on the side of a cliff. Literally, you're like, um, how is this not falling off the edge? Right. But you get out and it's like, you're on the top of the world. And I was terrified. I was terrified. So I'm snowboarding down and it's like, as I did that, I got more of me based on my willingness to choose something that was that uncomfortable. Mm. If you made those choices where you went, and it's not choosing from stupidity, it's choosing from what do I actually desire to choose that I've never chosen before, that if I chose it, I'd actually get more of me, more of that sense of me. Do you have something in your mind of what that would be next? No, I just come up with it when I come up with it. So funny. I just like to have fun, you know, it's like, it could be anything. For me, it would be if something came up that had a weird energy to it, I'd go, okay, so... Am I lying to myself about any part of this? If I get a yes, then they're uncomfortable choices for me because I have to start being more honest with myself. Mm. For a lot of us, it's like, if you're willing to be honest with yourself, how uncomfortable would that be? When you got to Houston, starting over, what did you kind of draw upon in order to feel comfortable in your new life? I have friends here and it's like, I don't necessarily look for comfort anymore. I just go... Can I just be more of me? Wow. But did you look at Houston and say, that's more of me? One day I went, you know what? I'd really like a change. And it's like my son had been living with me and my now ex-partner. He'd been living with us for like nine years and he chose to go and live with his mom. So I went from being a dad to he wanted to live with his mom and he wanted to go to this different school. And I just went, oh, 
okay, so I'm not really needed here. What would I like? Wow. The first time in my life I started looking at what would I like. Wow. And I went, oh, Houston, I have good friends there. I'm going to try that. And so you just went back to drawing board and you're like, what do I get to choose for my life now for the first time? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people that I talk to, we don't really give ourselves that chance to look at what's true for us. I mean, for me growing up, I got into relationships very young and it was always about being in relationship, being normal, having kids, doing all that stuff. And I'd never looked at, okay, what would I like to choose? What's true for me? It's an adventure for people when you start looking at, oh, okay. So even if once a day you made a choice that was something that was truly joyful for you and your body, okay, what could I choose for me today that I've always wanted to choose that I've never chosen? So that you start actually getting the sense of what's true for you. So I know you don't like definitions, but mm -hmm. um, I coined the word break upward and I'm curious what it might mean to you. Break upward. Oh, I would say break upward would be, I guess, whatever you want to choose next that would create you something greater than you've chosen before. Now that you're a single man, is there in your mind like the next thing that you want out of a relationship? Is that clear to you or you do not know? Uh, I don't really look from that place. I just, one of the things I know for me is if I don't have a great relationship with myself, then I'm not going to have that with somebody else. I know that because I've done it many times in my life where if I don't have this gratitude with myself, then I'm looking for somebody else to give it to me. If I don't have allowance for myself, I'm looking for somebody else to give it to me. So I look at, okay, so what relationship would I like to have with myself? Mm. Doesn't mean you still can't have a relationship with somebody else while having one with yourself, but you get to have you also. You don't have to give yourself up to be with somebody else. Right. Great point. So tell my audience where they can find you. You can find me at brendanwatt.com, which is B-R-E-N-D-O-N. Bunch of stuff on there. You can also check out accessconsciousness.com. We have so much stuff around the world, so many tools. I mean, changed my life and changes it every day. So check it out. So is it a practice that you're continually engaged in? For me, it's more everything is about being in the question. Not about trying to find an answer, but being in the question with everything so that you actually start figuring out what you know. You know, and I did all the other things where it was like, you know, eat this, pray like this, do things like this. You know, I read everything. I did everything before this and everything was about giving me an answer of how to live. Nothing was ever showing me more of me. This is really different. Did people fall away out of your life as you began to ask yourself these questions rather than looking for answers all the time? Uh, yeah. I had a lot of friends years and years ago that were my friends based on who I'd created myself as at that point. You know, I'd created myself as the Aussie bloke, just talk rubbish and hang out and be boring. It was just, it wasn't my world. Mm -hmm. But I, that's what I created myself as. So as I lost those definitions of myself, people didn't necessarily see me as much fun anymore. Right. But I started having more fun, so that was good. And I know you're all about that. You didn't lose the fun. You just gained it in a new way. Exactly. Very cool. Well, tell them what's up where they can find the book. Uh, so the book is Relationship. Are you sure you want one? Now, I called it that because it's funny. When you read it, you go, what do you mean am I sure I want one? So they can find the book at relationshipareyoushoreyouwantone.com. And look, there it is, asking and living in the question. You embody what you say. 
Hey, thank you for this. And Thanks, I hope Chelsea. you get out of the isolation chamber. You get to start really enjoying it. I know, right? It'll be weird going back to traveling all the time. It's like I've actually got to be at home and enjoy myself. It's so different for you. Wait, did that bring any anxiety? Like, have you ever been someone that is constantly running, maybe not realizing it was to avoid a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I would have seen myself as somebody who would have created my future all the time based on the choices that I made. But I also realized in this COVID-19 and the lockdown was I went, oh, that even being taken away, I've had two months to look more into, okay, so without that, what kind of future do I actually want? Because I'd already decided it, planned it. Went, well, I know I'm traveling for the next 10 years. Easy. I'll just do that. You know, most people go, well, I know this is my career for the next 10 years. Easy. I'll just do that. And now you're going, uh, what just happened in my future? Totally. It's gone. So now you have to be in the question more than ever of, okay, so what am I choosing and what would I like to create? Hmm. And however that is for people. For me, I'm so visual. I will write things down. I will do things old school. Like if I got out a whiteboard, it's like I go, oh, I could see myself drawing pictures of what I want. Don't try and do anything like you did it yesterday. Mm. Look to how could I play with the future that I'd like to have? Like engage with it. Start getting a sense of what I'd like to create. And then what choices can I make to actually start bringing that into existence? If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.